Here we go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Genealogy Adventures. I'm Brian Sheffy. And I'm Donya Williams. How are you guys today? Hope you guys are enjoying your Sunday. And great show for you today. We're joined by Tiffany Huntsman. And the topic today is we're going to be talking kind of about two things, really, two themes. The journey from being a newbie genealogist to an intermediate genealogist and kind of how you juggle researching multi-ethnic family trees because that's a whole lot of fun that has a whole bunch of challenges all on its own yes yes so hello tiffany welcome to the show hello everyone thank you for having me thank you for inviting me yes yes i'm so excited because tiffany is also somehow down the line connected to us and no we haven't figured it out yet but you know as our goal, Brian and our goal, is to definitely um, highlight genealogists, other genealogists at certain times and trying to figure out where they are and where their problems are coming in and, and what they can share with us that they've learned and that they've known, you know, from doing their research. This way, we can always cover all of the ethnic groups, no matter who it is that we're, you know, talking to, because unfortunately it's not covered our you know the minorities are not necessarily covered in genealogy and and our goal is to make sure minorities of every ethnic group is covered not just european you know research so that's true Tiffany <laughs> and i are different than donnegan because don you know donnegan and i we know how we're related at least eight or nine different ways too many where with tiffany we have well we kind of have the smoking guns we know it's we share a lot of free people of color in north carolina and virginia we know the family names we just we haven't found the people yet yeah <laughs> they're not the easiest people to uh to research no like she then she you connect to the goings and we connect to the goings and we know that all of them are related to each other but where they are we don't know <laughs> so, we, have, yeah. we have artists and chavises and yes Heathcocks and, Heathcocks and oh yeah it's it's just a a barrel of fun <laughs> so tiffany i'm going to open up the show by asking you kind of the, the standard genealogy adventures question about how did you get involved in genealogy and what was it about researching that really kind of sucked you in? So I guess um, for me personally, it started with my great grandmother, my maternal great grandmother, my mom's mother's mother. And um, not really knowing her history um, when she was living, she never really spoke about her family. She never really spoke about where she came from or who her relatives were. Um, you know, we knew who she was married to and who she had children by, but we didn't know who her parents were. We didn't know if she had siblings. Um, we didn't know if she had, you know, extended family members, nieces, nephews, other relatives. We never knew those people. Um, and that was my entire life growing up, my mom's entire life for her growing up. Um, even my grandmother, she froze. She, froze. <laughs> <laughs> she will be back. She will be back. She oh. will be back. Yes, yeah, tech, small technical difficulty, guys. 
give her a sec. There okay, she I'm is. Back. Sorry, I don't know where we cut off it. <laughs> you were talking about your mom. Yeah, how you yeah. never knew, you know, y'all didn't really know too much about her side of the family. Yes. So just growing up, not knowing uh, very much about my maternal great great grandmother um, was really the motivation for me to start researching. Um, I have children, I have small children. I wanted to make sure that I would pass on my knowledge to my children at some point in the future. Um, and then just to have at least know more of the history on that, that particular lineage um, for my great grandmother. So for me, my motivation has really been, you know, let's find out who this woman was and where she came from. And uh, I decided to take a DNA test in 2016, um, which then led me on this genealogy journey. I did not know it was going to <laughs> take me to where I'm at now, but I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying it as I go. So what were some of the ways that you chipped away to break through that brick wall? So let's see here. Um, in the beginning, you know, even before I tested, we had, we had the oral history, right? So we have the oral history that um, most families will, you know, only know of what was talked about in the family. Um, and then once I did the DNA test, of course, in 2016, there's been so many changes and updates um, across all of the I don't know what's going on with her. Uh, Tiffany, if you can hear us, we kind of lost you. Yeah, we lost your audio. We lost your audio. Okay. Oh, you're, you're back. back. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so you, um, took the, you took the DNA test in 2016. Mm -hmm. Yeah, took the test in 2016. Um, decided that I was going to try to make contact with the DNA matches uh, or the DNA relatives that show up on the match list. Um, and it started kind of one by one. It, well, at first, I really didn't know what to say to people. Like, just kind of, you know, hi, I, I believe we are related. <laughs> it says you're my fourth cousin. Um, I recently had talked with another cousin of mine and she said, you know, Tiffany, the only way that we're going to be able to find our, find our connection is when we talk to our distant DNA matches. Um, when we talk to them, when we, you know, ask questions, when we sort of analyze what's in front of us um, a little bit more closely. So for me, yeah, it's been reaching out. which I appreciate is not always the easiest thing to do. Um, like I said, feel free to jump in when your, your audio comes back. Because again, you're reaching out to complete strangers. You don't, you know, I remember when, and Dong, you can jump in too. I remember when I was first reaching out to my DNA cousin matches, I wasn't really sure would anyone respond, would they be interested? Were we going to be able to you know, find those missing pieces and, and share information. So, you know, I can imagine as a new genealogist that that is a really big kind of, um, that's a big psychological barrier to, to break through. 
Yeah, it's also kind of scary too, because for me, when I first started, um, when I first started doing my research, well, I wasn't scared. Y'all know me. I'm kind of, I'm kind of crazy. But <laughs> I mean, I sent mine out. I just, I, I started mine with because I think mine was different because I started with um a different goal. You know, my, my goal was to just know the living people. I never even wanted to do um those that had passed on. So I wanted to know the living people. So I was getting all of the emails from people and sending out emails to different people. And this was well before the DNA test. So by the time I got to the DNA testing, I kind of have a an entire spill, a regular write-up saying, hi, I'm Donya. I've been researching for so many years. This is the information that it, it seems to be showing that we're connecting. This is a possibility how. Get back to me when you get the opportunity. Now, it's just like, that's just a, a I literally have a, um, a copy and paste that I use <laughs> and I put it in because <laughs> at this point I don't yeah I just put it in I don't have anything else to say and if you want to respond you can respond and if you don't want to respond that's fine too because I'm I've come to the realization that if you don't help me I'll find it still it's yeah I feel the same way at this point in time um I think even when I first started <laughs> Um, like it was, it was definitely a little overwhelming in the beginning to see all these people that you don't know. And then to try to figure out, you know, well, where do they fit? You know? Um, so I wanted to kind of also reiterate too, that my, my father is white. My mother is African-American. So for me, I already knew for the most part who was going to be, <laughs> who was going to be on my mom's side versus who was going to be on my dad's side. But now it was like me looking at my mother and saying, well, who's going to be on her father's side? Who's going to be on her mother's side um, mm -hmm. and narrowing that down. And so um, in the very beginning, it was overwhelming because I was not sure who was who, because when I first took that, like I said, when I first took that test, I had a lot of, a lot of distant cousins. Um, there weren't really a lot of people who were, more closely related on that side um and it didn't really come into play until i got my mother tested so once i got her tested then i was really able to see more closely which side was which <laughs> so when we were talking during the um the show prep you were saying that you've been researching for about four or five years now yeah and you're saying that you probably are more of a dedicated researcher over the last couple of years so kind of knowing what you know now about reaching out to DNA cousins, because I imagine with our audience that that's, that's still a perplexing and challenging thing to do. What advice would you give yourself if you could go back four or five years from now? I would say to definitely have, um, definitely have an idea of the histor historical timelines um, and also maybe if you have a tree that you would make your tree available and, and public, um, even if it was just to your grandparents, um, what I've noticed a lot over the last four years or five years is that people will, um, have a tree, but it's all private. And mm. then they send you a message because they want to know how they're related to you 
but I can't see your tree and you, you know, I don't know where we would start. <laughs> got like a million names here. So help me out. I need to see something. Give me a name, you know, or at least a location. Right. Where, you know, that, those are the two most important things like location and maybe a surname, a time frame would help. Um, so those are like the first things I've noticed. Well, when we get Tiffany back, I was going to say that my, if I could go back almost 20 years now, but go back and, and tell my, my kind of junior genealogy self, um, especially contacting DNA matches, is it took me a while to strike the right balance between sending someone a fact-rich message, but not make it war and peace. And by that, I mean if I believe that, you know, we were related through the Joe Bloggs line of Warren County, North Carolina, give the full, you know, the, you know the full name, I would give the full name, the year that they were born, the year that they died, if, if known, who they married, name of their parents, and just a brief line, you know, this is my line, I think somehow it connects with your line, and let's carry that conversation forward. Because I'm going to admit, one of the, one of the, I keep getting them quite often, and it frustrates me, I get messages, oh, hi, I think we're related. Well, I have nearly 200,000 people in my tree, so. I swear. I remember <laughs> the first time <laughs> I reached out to you, uh, I reached out to you, and I said, hi, Brian, because I think I saw one of your shows previously, and I was like, uh, mm -hmm. I think we're related, and you're like, I have no idea, go look at my tree. <laughs> <laughs> And I, it was the same thing. It was just like, okay, I need to know more information. But that I think was what two years ago now. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of one of the issues. Like when we are all doing this, and you let me know, Tiffany, if you have this problem. Well, actually, you just did. They have to come with the um, the right amount of information if you want to know, especially for people who have been researching for a while. So between Brian and I. We're, we're like 50, 60 years combined. Um, and so for us, please don't contact me and say, yeah, Joe Blow is, is on your tree and he's related to me. More than likely, I have at least seven to 10 Joe Blows. Right. <laughs> so, yes. and then their ages range from everywhere. So, because my tree, although it is not as massive as Brian's, it's very, my tree is very meticulous. So if you're coming to my tree, I'm already at a point where I know where everybody, where I know where everybody is, but I still need dates. I need death dates. I need birth dates. I mean, you can't just say, yeah, we're related to each other and not think that I'm not going to say to you, okay. Because yeah, there's no. absolutely nothing else that I can say, but Okay. Well, it would be like someone contacting you, Donnie, is saying, oh, um, Johnny Peterson is my ancestor. Mm. Which, which Johnny Peterson? First of all, are you talking about Johnny Peterson from Edgefield, from Greenwood, from McCormick? Yes. The names repeat often. <laughs> yes. I was just talking with an, another relative of mine, and we have about... Um, we literally have about five John Stanleys. See? Mm. And then it's like, why did they keep naming their kids the same names over and over for each generation? 
but you know you have to know their dates in order to know which one you're talking about because that one over there married this lady this one over right. there married a different lady <laughs> well we have so bernice um who's i think all of our cousins bernice bennett she put up there she says some people just sometimes people just don't know and that's true sometimes they don't you know yeah. but you still gotta come back with something um yeah. I, I don't know i don't know what the best way for you to do it like it, i think everybody has either a birth date or a death date or a possible or a roundabout um but if you don't have that information, unfortunately, you got to give me something. You know where they live. You know where they used to live. It's It's got to be something that made you come to my tree. Yeah. So whatever that is that made you come to my tree, I need that information, not just their name. And that's the thing that, that I'm saying. I do. I get exactly what Bernice is saying when she says that. But you were pulled to my tree for a reason. Yeah. Or I guess the way that I that I came to think of it when I was still in the early part of my journey is I realized how time intensive it was to do research. And obviously as a new researcher, it was taking me to probably 10 times longer than what it takes me today. Um, but being mindful that when I sent someone a message, I was kind of inviting them to stop whatever it was that they were doing. I mean, they, you know, especially once you start researching regularly and you know, spending five, 10, 20 hours a week doing research, when you're sending someone a message, you're kind of asking them, well, can you just stop what you're doing for a couple of minutes and help me out? So I, like I said, I just started to learn the more information I could give, but just keep it really short, keep it really simple, not turning it into war and peace, the better the, better the response I got in return. So that's that's my experience. I don't know. Um, I don't know if the two of you have experienced something similar. Yeah, um, definitely keep it short and sweet uh, with the name and date, location. Mm-hmm. That, so Bernice said you effective. just found out. Bernice said you just found um, a Bermuda cousin. How did you go about that? That's interesting. So by the grace of God. <laughs> um, Honestly, our Bermudian cousin that Bernice and I share, she is um, an immediate family member to me that, um, again, goes back to my second great-grandmother. The Bermudian side is through my mom's maternal side of the family. For the longest, we did not have any other close DNA matches other than my immediate family. Um, And then one day, we had a third cousin match and she wrote me back. She lives in England. She says she's from Bermuda. And then uh, about a year later, she had her mother test. And then boom, her mom pops up there, second cousin. So I'm like, thank you. Like, I'm so glad. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, it's, and it's, that's been a journey too, because now we're faced with um, researching outside of the country. Um and it takes us into other areas, not just Bermuda, because now we are focused on looking at um, British records and Portuguese records. So that's that's where we're at now. That's where I'm at now in my research. Okay. So was there any indication that the person that linked you to Bermuda was in the 
within the United States or did they go somewhere else? Nope. They have always been in Bermuda. Uh, that line goes all the way back into the 1810s in Bermuda. And previous to that, uh, we found one branch that goes into Portugal and one branch. So we had a couple of people who um, have started asking you questions already. So you are a hot topic. <laughs> <laughs> and um, basically what we have, um, I have, so I have some people who were responding to the, the tree situation when you were talking about your tree and how you have your um, tree public. So I'm gonna put these questions together and then you kind of go through it. One of them was, why do you think people put their tree private? Because you said yours was public. Uh, then you had some answers with it. And then another person, why am I gonna put these questions together? I'm gonna go from that one. So why do you think people make their tree private? I think they make their tree private if there are living people on their tree, which is fine. But what I've also come across is that they'll put their time out. Say it again, because you just broke up. They'll put you said they'll put something and then it went away. I'm here. Okay. It said they'll put you said they'll put some you you said living people were fine but you said then other times they would put and then oh, they'll put out. their they'll put their grandparents and maybe even their great grandparents as private which is not helpful yeah. um because you have to start with i would say to start with your great grandparents if you know all of them by name um, yeah and that's yeah. that's for me what that's what i found to be most useful is if you have those great-grandparents by name right well yeah. could could can shasha williams she said she has her tree private but the reason is that i'm new to all of this and i don't want to put false information out there i noticed some people who automatically run with what they see regardless if it's right then they get mad because of not doing their own due diligence so can i just you know can we all just applaud yeah <laughs> because I get it and and I, I agree with what she's saying because people Brian was just sitting here we were just talking um, before the show and he was talking about a lady who was born 1779 had all these kids but guess what her death date was 1779 I said that was a neat trick if you could do it I mean that's 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 crazy. That's amazing. How in the world can somebody be born and die the same year but have a whole bunch of children? You know, it's absolutely crazy. So yeah, but go ahead, Brian. You were getting ready to say something, then I have another question for for Tiffany. Well, she she um the the person who made the comment provided one of them. The other thing, the other reason that I see a lot of on Facebook in the Facebook genealogy groups are people get really upset when people take things from their trees and either attribute photographs or documents to the wrong person. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't acknowledge where they've got, you know, where they got that information from. Mm -hmm. and that, that, that's just genealogical courtesy and best practice. If you do take content from someone's tree, always acknowledge where you got it from. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I can, you know, I, I can see where people would get upset about that. 
to your point about that, um, what I've also come across is that I think some people don't really realize that a lot of what's on Ancestry, they have a huge database. So if you're paying for their membership to have access to those records in their database, and you find that information through their database, um, I don't like to attach from someone's tree to my tree. I always like to go back to the actual document mm-hmm. and then make sure that what I have is my actual person that I'm searching that's on right. that document. Um, yeah, as far as taking things from people's trees, that's something that, um, because you like you just said, you don't know if that's going to be the same person. Um, and you don't know if, especially if you don't have any other documentation, you're just grabbing that, those dates from their tree. Um, it might not even be the same person, but I like to make sure that I go and I check the document. Um, so as a new researcher, I did have to invest in the ancestry database to find records, actual records, census records, birth, death, um, Mm -hmm. And we were saying earlier, you know, even some some other types of documentation, wills, land, deeds, um, probate records, that sort of thing, too. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll make this really quick. Um, But to Donia, you know, think about all of those North Carolina documents for Moses Williams, all of those deeds that Ancestry didn't have, that all of us found, digitized, and uploaded. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, you know, and people people were putting them on their trees and not not crediting the genealogy adventures team for actually being the ones to provide that. Oh yeah, we had that happen a lot. <laughs> and it, and the the good thing about it though is that they tend because the families that find that information are all connected to us. So when they are talking about it and they're making all these comments. And they're saying, oh, yeah, well, I did this. Mm-mm. You're reading off what we wrote. So <laughs> I, I can catch you. But in the same instance, I'm not trying to down you in any kind of way. I'm just trying to clarify because that's what it's for. It's for clarification. It's for clarity. And that's what that information is up there for. However, please don't say that you did it because you wouldn't have it if we didn't do because there was absolutely let me be clear there was no information on Moses everything that anybody finds right now on Moses Williams that is because of Brian Loretta myself Hamad Sheila Hightower God rest her soul we did that initial work and now with the new 11 children that was Brian and Loretta. See, if I can do that, even though I'm a part of the Genealogy Adventures team, I'm not going to take credit for their stuff. I wasn't researching at that time. I wasn't on it. So it's not for me to say, yeah, I found it, even though I'm a part of that team. And that's the part that, it, like Brian said, it's literally a common courtesy to be able to come up and say, oh, yeah, I found this. Patrick Quarles, who is um, one of our family members, and another cousin, I can't think of what her name is on Ancestry. They make it a point that if they get something on this, on, on one of somebody else's tree, 
they'll say submitted by and they'll tell who it's from. That's common courtesy. You know, that it, it is, that's just what it is. It's common courtesy. And for whatever reason, some people just don't have it. I don't know why, but they don't. But there's another question for you, Tiffany, and this is from Steven Zunick. And he says, you started with the goal of finding more about your mother's heritage. How have your goals expanded since your journey began? That's a great question. (laughs) How have my goals expanded? Mm -hmm. So um, like I said, at this point in my research, um, I've been digging into something that's a little bit more um, more advanced from what I'm, I've been used to, um, which is, again, is like researching my mother's side of the family outside of the country, um, which has really been interesting. Um, but it's also, it's faced with challenges too. So f- me finding records, um, you know, finding records out of the country has been a challenge, especially for um, African descent out of the country. Um, So if I'm looking in the islands, it's been challenging and tricky to find those records in the islands. It's also been challenging and tricky to find records that are, for example, in Portuguese. I do not speak Portuguese. So (laughs) having a translator, (laughs) so, you know, expand, expanding. I do want to continue working on my tree in this manner and, um, and also just expanding it. Eventually I would like to travel to some of the places where my folks came from. So that's on my plate, but that's later down the line. Okay. Brian. Okay. Um, so I was going to invite you to just give a little synopsis about the different ethnic groups that are in your family tree. Because the question I'd like to ask you is, like me, multi-ethnic, you get tempted to just do a shattergun thing because you just want to just research everything all at once, which is a really good and easy way to get yourself confused and kind of lost. So what kind of process did you go through to identify um, did you decide to concentrate on one ethnic group more than any other or kind of how did you how did you strategize that? So in the beginning, um, I really focused on my my father's side of the family um, in the very beginning for my tree when it came down to my tree because we knew a lot of information about his tree or his side of the family. So I was able to focus my initial research on that. And then once I had his tree set up, I said, okay, well, this is this is my tree, so this is going to be about my, where I come in on this tree in this mixed family. So now I have my mother's side. Um, so in the very beginning, what I did was I, like you said, put everybody together. That that causes problems <laughs> when it comes to being, uh, having mixed heritage, but also just being mixed and having to put that um, out for people and make that public. And for the first three years, I, that's what I did. Now, in retrospect, I would not have done it that way. So what, what I've been doing over the last year and a half is I have these micro trees. Mm-hmm. So I'll make a micro tree. I have one for my mother's father's side, one for my mother's mother's side. Mm-hmm. So now I can look, you know, so when people say, oh, you know, I think we're related over here. And I already know how 
I already know what side they're on. So I'll be like, okay, here's access to my mom's paternal side or, oh, okay, you're on my mom's maternal side. Here's access to her tree on that side. Um, and then for, I have, I have that for, um, for just, I only have that for my mother's side. For my father's side, it's a little bit easier and it's a little bit less complicated. Um, so I just only have his mother and father all together. <laughs> so your father is European, right? Yes. Okay, so that's why that's easy. Um, well, that actually leads to a great question that Monica said. Monica said, Tiffany, you have been great with finding names of families, surnames to look for how and what is your strategy she said and you're in you doing that because we found so many connections that way this is monica mercy gal okay so that's la monica la monica brewington (laughs) yes okay so la monica is my cousin we met for the first time in 2018 um at a reunion but we did not again we did not know exactly how we were connected but we were related to all these people that came from all over the country and it was amazing. Um, And as far as my strategy goes, I really, what I've been doing, so I I don't know if you guys know this, but I have a background in medical research, which is totally different from genealogy research, but I look for patterns and I look for um, locations and I look for travel, uh, like uh, migration patterns, right? So I look for that first and one of the things I've, I've been really fascinated by is that I'll read about the history um, of what was going on in that location. So uh, there was a cousin who had reached out to me and they're like, oh yeah, you know, we were, you know, my folks are from Ohio. I was like, oh yeah, my grandmother, she lived in Ohio, but that was in the thirties. And he was looking for people that were in the 1800s in Ohio. So I'm like, okay, let me find out exactly what was going on in Ohio in the 1800s. So I will read about, I'll find historical uh, timeframes to go by, um, read up on the history of it, and then I'll go from there. And as far as looking for those surnames, because it's not always a surname. Sometimes what I've been faced with on two different um, lines are uh, non-paternal events. (laughs) about you know two generations three generations maybe even five generations back and that's been um very tricky to comb through um but i'm always looking for patterns i'm always looking for locations Um, i've learned a lot over the years from other researchers like brian and danya and also you know bernice and um, bernice bennett and um, um another another cousin who is a researcher for 45 years um, and her, she's probably not going to watch this or maybe she will at a later date because she doesn't do know how to do the live streaming thing. But <laughs> um, her name is Ruth, Miss Ruth Spillers. And um, one of the things I learned from her was that, you know, hey, you have to look at who was living next door, who was living on that same block, who was even living in that same county mm-hmm. or parish or um, who was living, you know, where did they work? If they worked, you know, where, where were they working? How far away was it? Um, you know, cause usually you'd find that that other surname that you're searching for that other family member that you're searching for 
they might be in the same county, but just on the other side of the, the bridge, or they might be living at the end of the block. Um, so on that census record, they might be on page three <laughs> and not on page one. Right. You see, that's the great thing about genealogy. Well, it's the great thing and it's the frustrating thing about genealogy. You don't know what you don't know until you realize you don't know it. Yeah. And especially mm. when it's dealing with um, genealogies that you're not used to. So for me, it was like, I'm taking an online course to learn how to do Jewish genealogy. Um, and I did laugh about the, the comment about Port Portuguese because I don't speak Yiddish. I certainly don't speak Hebrew and I can read neither one of those but you know learning about naming conventions and customs and traditions and specifically you know to the part where my jewish ancestors live that's taking me way out of my comfort zone but it's cool it's a challenge for me it's a new, it's going to be a new skill set new knowledge that i can that i can hopefully apply to other areas um same token with native american ancestry um and again it, it's been a journey for me to realize that what we call the the genealogical standard of proof and the genealogical standard of practice that <laughs> is applicable to european genealogy so when you're doing things like you can't apply that to enslaved people because they didn't have records so you automatically can't use it for, for them you can use the questioning process to try to find out what records you can that can prove what you need to prove but you know what I mean? It, it's it's not the same kind of genealogy. Native American genealogy at some point was oral. They didn't write it down. You know, they had they had tribal historians who can remember all of those lines. So that's kind of that's the thing that I love the most about genealogy. There's always something new to learn. There's new skill sets to to adapt. And I mean, how have you found that process, Tiffany? I have um, definitely takes a little bit more. Um, attention to detail too and trying to figure out um again separate like what i what i did for me was i separated the lines based on locations so clusters of families living together um and looking at that more in more detail uh sometimes what i also realized was that there were people like sometimes the mother her maiden name would be passed on to her son he wouldn't take the father's name for whatever reason case being and having to go with that and then you look at that more closely mm -hmm. so oh, just oh, go ahead. and again with free people of color what i'm what i'm finding and it doesn't happen all the time but it happens more often than not you have a household that's headed up by a single female now, she clearly didn't have kids on her own. She was clearly <laughs> having children with someone else, but you never see a man, a male in the household. Right. So then what's kind of a loop, picking up on what Tiffany was saying, that's where maps come in handy. Because um, it's not like, you know, the woman was going halfway across town to, um, to meet whoever she was having her children with. Um, so it's basically looking at all the properties that were around her properties to, and then looking at DNA matches to try to figure out the you know who my likely ancestor in that that line was right but are you finding that a lot in your, in your with your free people of color tiffany about basically having a a family unit headed by a single female um i've come across that i will say on two occasions um and one one took place in louisiana 
um, in a certain parish where um, this, and this is how I found it. I was looking in the census for her and I found her with all her children listed. And of course there's no male that was her age in the census with her. It was all like teenage children and younger. And so I, I said, well, that's interesting. So then I had to look more closely at the top and it was, you know, it read uh, about the parish that they were in. And so I went to that, I looked up a map for that parish um, from that time period. And the good thing is Louisiana has excellent records that you can actually do that um, with maps and such. So I went and I looked up the parish and then I went back and I said, okay, well, the next closest match is this person. And they're talking about that's their grand, their great, great grandparent who was in the same parish with my great, great grandparent. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I went back and I was like, wow, they only lived like four houses down from each other. <laughs> DNA is telling on them. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, I've, I've come across that twice. Once in, uh, for a line out of Louisiana and the other one for a line that was in um, Indiana, actually. So I have a question. Um, one of the things that I say about Edgefield is that it's probably, and I, I stress this on a regular basis, it's probably one of the best places in the world to have to have family and research. Why? Because it gives you a little bit of everything and you get touched with it all on a regular basis. Um, the other thing that I feel like kind of happened with us, and I didn't realize this until after Sheila told me this. She was, and I think even, um, no, Sheila told me this. And um, one of the things that I was told was she was talking to me when I first started, you know, when I was really getting into my research and everything. And as I was taught, doing stuff with her, Gail and Sheila both said this. They were like, well, you, um, she was like, well, you got it. You're advanced. And I looked at them like, no, I'm not. I'm a beginner. And they said, no, not when you're researching Edgefield. So my question goes into because, my question goes into do you find yourself a, a further more advanced than other people, even though you've only been doing it for five years? Do you find yourself further more advanced because you do have connections in places that make that give you everything? Like you have your father's side and then you have your mother's side. So because you have those two separate sides like that, it was just real easy for you to go in and just go straight for your father. But your mother's side is a challenge. Mm -hmm. And so do you think that your mom's side gave you a, a bit of a, a better edge on things as far as learning it and picking up on it so quickly? Because if it was just like your dad's side, do you think you'd be where you were, where you are today? No. That's my case. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we've lost the audio. <laughs> she said, "Try it again." No, we can't hear you. Oh man, it's coming back. It'll show. But I, I mean, well, I get your point because some gene, some depending on what your genealogy is or your genetic makeup is, mm -hmm. some, some genealogies force you to think outside of the box. So we're saying some groups of people are always going to be more poorly documented than, than other people. And by doing Edgefield and having 
every kind of genealogical scenario that you could conceive of and many that you probably couldn't that were thrown at us, I can now apply all of the strategies that I used to find um, my enslaved ancestors who were poorly documented for my white ancestors who were in play, you know, they were early pioneers, Kentucky, Tennessee, just trying to, you know, thinking outside of the box to think about where I can find those breadcrumbs to get the either the proof I need or the information that I need. Right. Are you back? Are you I'm back. back. Oh, okay. Perfect. So what did you say? Then you just said no. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I said just straight up no, because for me, um, like you said, it was easier because I had, you know, my dad's European heritage. That's just a given that it's easier to find those records documented. Um, and those folks were Mormon. So like there's tons and re tons of stuff that's available for my dad's side of the family. But at the same time, um, there are, I do have two lines that go out um, beyond early colonialism um, mm -hmm. that are new, more new immigrants on that side too that have been a challenge for me as well. But I will say for my mother's African-American heritage, um, and that that was a challenge because I didn't know where to start, but also I came to find out that I was related to um, almost all of the professional genealogists that are out there. Mm -hmm. There is a connection to almost everybody that you guys have featured on your show, which I thought, what is this? Like, <laughs> I was like, what, what's going on here? You know, like it's Edgefield. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it's Edgefield because yeah. somewhere down the line. Okay. I won't even say Edgefield. I'll say South Carolina because I did my, my personal belief about South Carolina and nobody has to agree, but my personal belief about South Carolina is that after the civil war ended and the reconstruction started, in my opinion, the reconstruction was very based in South Carolina to a certain degree. Everything that happened, they had to kind of cater to that South and the South was looking at South Carolina and guess where in South Carolina they were looking? Edgefield. You had Strong mm -hmm. Thurmond. You had all those 10 governors that had some type of hand in all of that stuff. I mean, I, I just feel like that. That's I again. That's my feeling. I don't have to. People don't have to agree with me. Sometimes people will learn stuff and look at me and say, "Donya, oh, that's incorrect." But then later on, come back and say, "Girl, when did you get that information?" Because, but I'm like, it's not. I have this connection with our ancestors, and they really kind of tell me this stuff. I know it sounds crazy, but no, y'all no, it's not crazy because uh, I will. I've had dreams about my ancestors like reaching me oh, and saying, look there, dreams. you know, like look there, <laughs> go back and look there again. Look like go mm -hmm. to that other, you know, go back there and look again because it's right there, and. Um, the urge has been so strong. I was talking to one of my Cape Verdean cousins uh, yesterday, actually, um, or maybe it's the day before on Friday. And so she, we were talking about how strong the pull is for you to continue because you'll get some, you'll get this intuitive vibe from your ancestors that, okay, you're on the right path. Keep going, keep going. And sometimes it's frustrating because it's like, I want to throw my hands up and give up and just right. walk away from it, but I'm so close. 
So right. why would I give up? You know? Right. So that's what I feel. I feel that often. Um, and also just the, the simple fact that from having the different types of connection We lost you again. We lost you again. So I'm gonna we're gonna come back to what you said, but in the midst of it, I think there's a question up here for all three of us, and it's an excellent question from Dale Cole. And they said, What is the easiest thing about researching genealogy? And what is the hardest thing about researching genealogy? So Brian, I'm not answering. <laughs> I'm answering, <laughs> but I, I'm just not going to answer it right now. Brian, well, go ahead, Tiffany. You go. Oh, okay. Well, hi, Dale. Thanks for asking the question. Um, so I, I would say the easiest thing to research, of course, would be you know census records. Sure, let's go look up a census record. Um, the easiest thing too would be you know. Like we said in the beginning, if you know the name and location and date, you might be able to pull up their birth record or. Hey, mm, internet is not being our friend today. No, it's not. Go ahead. Oh, is that me or it's Tiffany? Can you talk, Tiff? Are you back? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Finish your statement. Yeah, so a, a birth record or a death certificate, a census record, those are very easy things that you can pull. Um, but also just to have, you know, the name and date and location. Okay, Brian? Um, I'm going to say the deceptively easy thing, especially if you're using services like Ancestry, is just to click and save without actually opening up the document and really taking a look to make sure that you're saving the right document to the right person. So that's the deceptively simple thing. Um, for me, actually, the, the, the difficult, the most difficult, the most challenging has been endogeny. And that's generation of generation of generation of cousin marriages, because you're going to have naming conventions, you're going to have God only knows how many kids within the same extended family with the same name. And that goes back to my point about records. You really have to open them. You have to look line by line to make sure that you really are saving the right document for Mariah Jones out of a family that probably has 15 Mariah Jones is all born around the same time. Right. I will say too, and yes, endogamy is very, like I said, people will also have, they'll name their children the same name over and over. Um, they'll marry their cousins uh, <laughs> or they'll mar like they'll marry their first cousins from back, you know, back in the day they married their first cousin or their second cousins or their, they married their, um, you know, one family will have two siblings that married the siblings of another family that lived in the same area. And they, they name their children the exact same names. And that is really tough to, when you're researching. Right. Um, also, also oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say also another challenge would be like the non-paternal events. That's what you, I was waiting to say. <laughs> yes, where you think you know this person is from that family and it turns out that 
you're looking for a dead end because they're, you're, they're not from that family. They're from a different family, but finding that that's a whole challenge in and of itself. Yeah. My, my, the easiest, I do agree with you guys with the easiest things, you know, it's the census records, the death records, all of those things, but that daggone endogamy, I think the thing that it got, that got me about that was the fact that I couldn't even grasp a cousin marrying a cousin. So that was the part, everybody has their part of genealogy that might make them run to the bathroom and throw up. Cause you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. But that's what that was for me. So I, I mean, and I had to deal with it over and over and over. And they just kept smacking me in my face with it. It was like the family was like, you won't get used to this. And when you get, you won't have to get used to this. So now I'm not going to say I'm used to it, but I get it. You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I, I'm okay with it, but I get it. And then you got the non-paternity events, you know, those are, are heartening because you have to tell these people that their dad is not their dad or explain it to them why this may have happened or what. So I think the thing about the non-paternity event is more or less expressing it to someone that you have done the research for and saying, well, that's not really your daddy. Right. Or that's even if you know, even if you found that they had um, a different surname, right? So what I found with my great, my maternal great grandmother was that she had a different surname from what I was biologically connected to. Yeah. You know, so finding that and, and then having to navigate through that was also a challenge. And, you know, it's always wonderful being related to your own self, like, um, <laughs> Being your own cousin. <laughs> yes, I'm my own cousin about 10 times. <laughs> but the, the other tricky thing about those cousin marriages is they can complicate your DNA results. So you think you're matching someone in one way. Like, for instance, I'm a double Peterson. Donnie is a double Peterson. Donnie, are you also a double Williams? Are you a double? Double Williams? every freaking thing. Let's <laughs> just be real. I got, I got, I'm my own cousin in like seven different times it, it's it's sickening so if you're aware that your family has had or your the family or the community that they lived in had that kind of a tradition of cousin marriages always be mindful of that when you're working with your dna because it's not that you have a false positive it's just you're getting the same dna through more than one pet set of ancestors right it's, it's, it's just so much fun well, this show has really gone past so fast. And Tiffany, I think we are definitely going to have you back on the show just to have this kind of conversation. Are you, do you agree with that, Brian? I absolutely agree. I would love it. Thank you so much, you guys. And this was, you know, because there's still some things that we didn't get to, to touch on with you. I know, because, to dive in deeper. Yeah, you, you have like a, a Native American stuff that we can talk about. So you definitely have to get back onto the show because we're like four minutes out um, and it's about to end, unfortunately. <laughs> I love talking with you guys. I swear. I, I do. I, we, I, I love talking with you guys too because there's always another thing. We start going into another topic, which leads us to another. So which is which is what genealogy is <laughs> absolutely 
But in the last minutes of the show, Tiffany, what advice would you give someone who is brand new to researching? Brand like new a, to like it's like a pit a pitfall to avoid. Oh, okay. I would say to hold out on GenMatch. Um, mm. Oh, good one. Oh no! Oh, her thing went out. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it didn't like you saying that. <laughs> <laughs> what I want you to do is type it up. Tell us what it is and send it to that thing because the show is about to end. Um, Ron, do you want to uh, talk about next week's show? So next week's show is actually we're going to talk about being a brand new genealogist and all of the kind of trials and tribute. Oh, it's not. Sorry. Yeah. You, talk, you talk about it. It's wise. Oh, yeah. The 31st. You introduce it. <laughs> Next week, we're going to be talking to Tim Wise. So we're going back into our um, erasure, another show about where we are in history, right? In, in the world today with the racism and how can we fight it and what's the best way to move through it and the things that we basically need to do. And Tim Wise is um, another person like Jane. So y'all need to come ready and come prepared. Okay, I'm just saying, you're gonna have to do it. My my best thing, my my advice to you is to search them out, look them up on YouTube, look at what we're getting ready to tackle, and that way you guys will know. Because Brian and I, we don't run scared from anything, and a race talk is a scared conversation in America, and we're gonna have it because. Um, it, it connects to our history as a whole, and it allows us to know how to defeat it because it's, it can be defeated. But the reason why, in my opinion, that it's not being defeated is because we do not look at the history of it. And all of us as genealogists, we see the history of it, whether it's Black, White, Native American, I don't care, Hispanic, Latina, X, anything like that. We all see the history of racism. We all know what it is. And because we do know those things and we do see those things, it's our turn and our time to share it. And I think bringing in someone like Jane and someone like Tim Wise, they can give us the background as well from what they're learning modern wise while we pick up what's is you know the historical side of it so yes be ready be prepared get yourselves together bring your bring your tea you may hear little words just like you might hear with like you did with jay um just get ready yep and my two cents worth would be don't be shy you know if you have a question for tim if you you know if you have a comment about something that that said just type it up we'll read it out and we'll you know we will carry on the discussion with it yes yes so Tiffany, I don't know if you're back on audio. Yeah. Thank you so much for um for coming in today. Thank you Thank for dropping you for your knowledge. Yes, 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 it was great. So see you guys next week. Enjoy your Sunday. I'm Danya. Brian. And you guys have a great, great Sunday and a great holiday. And please stay safe and stop going around everybody passing this this germ around. It's a real germ. It's it's not a game. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you.